Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, August 26th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Have you ever noticed that pretty much every problem that the government fixes, it actually caused in the first place? A prime example of this is this whole student loan debacle. Um, Yes, my child, you've been forgiven. So I'm going to get into that in just a few minutes. But first, I want to touch on a little bit of economic news. Uh, I guess the big news for this week hasn't happened yet as I'm recording. Probably as you're listening, it is happening or has already happened. But Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell is scheduled to do his big Jackson Hole speech today. Now, everybody has been waiting in eager expectation to hear what the Swami of Central Banking will utter today. Just remember this. This is the same dude who told you for months that inflation was transitory. In fact, that was a big theme in last year's Jackson Hole speech. Paul was telling us that Everything is fine. Nothing to worry about. Inflation's transitory. It's supply chain issues. Everything's just going to work out. And here we are today. Now, here's the reality. The dirty little secret. It really doesn't matter what Powell says. Okay, don't get me wrong. This will move markets over the next couple of days. But what really matters over the long term is what the central bank does. And we all know that what the central bank does is often vastly different than what the central bank talks about doing. Now, in all likelihood, you're going to hear Powell keep up the tough talk on fighting inflation, and he's probably going to tell you that the economy is strong so it can handle this inflation fight. The economy is strong, just like inflation was transitory, right? This is all open mouth operations. The reality is the Fed can't do what it's saying it's going to do. I mean, it could. It could do it technically, but it would crush the economy. And I still don't think the Fed is willing to do that, regardless of the rhetoric. I don't think they have the will to take the economy to the depths that it would need to go to really conquer inflation. But I guess we'll see, right? So, I wrote an article that uh, is published over on shiftgold.com slash news. I'll link to it in the show notes page that gets into some of the inflation-fighting numbers and reveals the ugly truth about what the Fed is telling you. Here's the Reader's Digest version. For all of the tough talk about stopping inflation, the Fed's plan, even if executed, isn't enough. Pushing rates to 3 or 4% will not tame 8.5% CPI. Now, if you go back and you look at all of the Fed tightening cycle since 1973, and there's a chart in this article that does that, the central bank has never stopped tightening before the federal funds rate was higher than the CPI. So currently, the interest rate is about 6% below that level. So what I'm saying is the Fed really needs to get rates into the 8% range. And that's accepting the government's CPI numbers, the cooked CPI numbers that actually understate inflation. So analyzing interest rates based on the Taylor rule, you may have heard of the Taylor rule um, that was created by economist John Taylor. It's a formula that links the Federal Reserve's benchmark 
interest rates to levels of inflation and economic growth. If you plug all of the factors into the Taylor Rule formula, the federal funds rate right now needs to be about 9.69% to actually tackle inflation. So think about this for a minute. What would a 9.69% interest rate do to this economy? Look, 2.5% is already dragging the economy down, right? I wrote another article this week on the housing market. Now we're starting to see mortgage lenders go out of business already. And we're just at the beginning of this recession that isn't really a recession. Speaking of recession, based on the S&P Global PMI data that came out this week, private sector business activity is at the lowest level since the lockdowns. The composite PMI dropped to 45 this month. That was from a reading of 47.3 in July. Any print below 50 indicates a contraction in economic activity. So this is the second straight month of contraction based on the PMI. The consensus forecast was for the composite PMI to rise to 49.1. The decrease in economic output was the fastest seen since May 2020. The rate of contraction also outpaced anything recorded outside of the initial pandemic outbreak since the series began nearly 13 years ago. Now think about that for a minute. Economic activity has never decreased faster than it just did, except when governments shut down the economy completely. But we're supposed to believe this economy is strong. Okay. The American service economy contracted the most, with the U.S. Services Business Activity Index plunging from 47.3 in July to 44.1 in August. According to S&P Global, quote, service providers noted that hikes in interest rates and inflation dampened customer spending as disposable incomes were squeezed. In other words, average people are feeling the impacts of both inflation and the economic slowdown, or as we like to call it, stagflation. The U.S. manufacturing PMI remained above 50, but barely, falling from 52.2 in July to 51.3 in August. That was the lowest level since July 2020, also during the lockdowns. According to S&P Global, the manufacturing PMI, quote, continued to signal subdued operating conditions across the manufacturing sector. So given all of this, I'm supposed to believe that the Fed is going to raise rates another 1% to 2% this year. That's going to slay inflation, and everything's going to be fine. Forgive me, I'm a little bit skeptical. None of this adds up, right? So just keep all of this in mind when you hear whatever BS Jay Powell spouts today. I want to touch on one other thing before I get into the student loan stuff. A lot of metal, particularly gold, is moving out of the comics vaults. In a recent article, Tony, who is our data cruncher over at Shift Gold, he wrote, quote, the price of gold clearly does not reflect all of the activity that's going on under the surface. The demand for physical is really starting to materialize with no clear catalyst. So in other words, what he's saying is that despite the stagnant gold price that we've seen over the last several months, there are a lot of people out there who want to hold gold 
and they want to hold it in their own hands. They're pulling it out of the comics vault. He thinks that this is an indication of uh, some significant shifts in the gold market that we're not seeing yet reflected in the price of gold. So, um, interesting article. I'll link to it in the show notes page. Speaking of Tony, um, I did an interview with him this week for our metal exchange interview series, which I kind of put on hold when my mom got sick. So we're ramping that back up. Um, we dug deeper into this subject during this interview. And we also talked more broadly about technical analysis and how diving into data can give you a lot clearer picture of what's going on in the markets. I think it turned out to be a pretty interesting chat. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes page as well. If you are a subscriber to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast and you've already gotten this interview uh, in audio form in your um, podcast catcher. So check that out. Let's talk student loans. That's what everybody's talking about, right? So we might as well get into it. Now, a lot of people are really mad about this. In fact, I was surprised, and maybe it's just the bias of of my circle, so to speak, but um, it seems like, by and large, most people are angry. And, and, And even some people who are for student loan forgiveness are angry because they didn't think $10,000 was enough. Um, I get the anger. I think most normal people have a hard time understanding why people who willingly took out loans shouldn't have to pay the loans back. I mean, it's the principle of the thing, right? Most of us were taught if you make a commitment, you have to follow through. I mean, you got to keep paying your mortgage, right? You got to keep paying your car loans. Why are student loans different? And of course, this is particularly galling to those of us who actually paid off our loans, not to mention people who worked their way through school, never took out loans, or people who didn't go to college. Here's the the ugly truth. I paid my student loans off last year. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't hold off on that. I mean, I guess I can bask in my own integrity, but I mean, my integrity didn't put $10,000 in my bank account, right? So, I also have to admit, though, there's a little part of me that's kind of like, eh. I mean, think about this. The government showers money on big corporations and bankers, military contractors, all kinds of fat cats are constantly getting hands out from the government. I have a little bit of a hard time getting really angry that some normal people are getting a little piece of the pie, too. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's a good thing. It's not. You know, here's the thing. A lot of people seem to think that this is like waving a magic wand and then poof, the debt's gone. I've read Facebook posts to that effect. People actually believe that because Joe Biden spoke, this debt just disappears into thin air. Hard truth. We are all going to pay for this debacle. Now, let's clear up a little bit of confusion that I've seen out there. A lot of people seem to think that some big banks somewhere are getting screwed, and that makes them happy. No, these are government student loans that the government is forgiving. This was government money, tax money, that was handed out that's never going to get paid back. Now, yes, there are companies out there that make these student loans, but in effect, they're government companies. They're using government money, okay? It's not like First Bank of 
Tarpon Springs made some loans, and now those loans are just erased from from the world. This is just government money that's never going to get paid back. So what are the ramifications here? It means that for every $10,000 that is forgiven, that's $10,000 less that the government is going to have next year. That means that the government is either going to have to tax that out of the taxpayer, or it's going to have to borrow it. I mean, it could cut spending, but I, I hesitate to even mention that because, you know, the government's not going to cut spending. So it's going to have less money. So the reality is you will help pay for $10,000 of my kids' student debt. Thanks for that, by the way. That's the bottom line. You're paying for it. The taxpayer is on the hook for this. Now, of course, the irony is the people who are getting these loans forgiven are also going to pay for it. You know, here's the thing. Government doesn't have any money. I mean, we know it's broke, but just in general, it doesn't have any money of its own. It doesn't produce anything. The only money that the government has is money that it takes from the citizens. Anything the government does, you and I pay for. There is nothing that is free. If I could get the world at large to understand that one simple economic principle, we'd be much better off. There is nothing that is free. Somebody always pays. So when it comes to government stuff, either you pay for it through taxes, your kids pay for it when the borrowing comes due, or the Fed monetizes the debt and you pay for it through the inflation tax. You know, I've talked about this with the STEMI checks before. Everybody loved getting free money from Uncle Sam during the pandemic. Now everybody is pissed because everything that they're buying costs more. Well, you're just paying for your STEMI checks. The government created a bunch of money out of thin air to prop up the borrowing and spending during the pandemic, and here we are. So don't think for a second that student loan forgiveness is somehow going to be different. This will add to the deficit. At some point, the Fed will start monetizing the debt again, and you're going to pay more for hamburgers in the future because the government helped pay for Muffy's gender studies degree. The Wharton Business School over at Pennsylvania University ran the numbers on this, and they calculate that student loan forgiveness, this scheme, will cost over $300 billion. And that's taxpayer costs, by the way. And if they ever do the $50,000 forgiveness, and I think now that the precedent is set, that's going to happen down the road, that will cost nearly $1 trillion. Now, one guy told me it was worth the cost because they're finally fixing the problem. What? Fixing it? How? They didn't end government student loans. That's the only way you can fix the problem, right? Kids are borrowing right now for the new school year. In fact, this is going to make the situation worse. Why would anybody actually pay for school with their own money at this point? You know, everybody is now thinking, huh, if I just borrow the money, the government will probably forgive it down the road. If I have student loan debt, I'm not paying it off now. I'm waiting. I'm hoping that we'll get more forgiveness. Look up moral hazard. It's basically a lack of incentive to guard against risk when you are protected from the consequences. So this payoff just drastically increased moral hazard.
The perception is borrowing tens of thousands of dollars for a stupid, useless degree is basically risk-free. Uncle Sam is in the wings, waiting to let me off the hook. Now, I'll grant you there is a big student loan problem in the United States. Student loan debt in the U.S. totaled $1.59 trillion at the end of the second quarter of this year. Around 43 million Americans hold student loan debt. Less than a third of those owe less than $10,000. When the U.S. government stopped defaults and allowed borrowers to pause payments due to the COVID-19 pandemic, 11.1% of student loans were 90 days or more delinquent or were in complete default. By the way, Biden also extended that pause until the first of next year. Now, one has to wonder, why is this necessary if the economy is so great? Why are we continuing to let people not pay on their student loan debt? Eh, I'll let you think about that one. Anyway, the student loan thing is clearly out of control. And do you know who caused it? I said it at the top of the show. It's the freaking government. Our wise overlords decided everybody needed to go to college, and so they created these government student loans to make college accessible to all. Of course, that predictably jacked up the price of going to college. Supply and demand, right? I've written about this before. Studies have shown, I'll link to this in the show notes page, the influx of government-backed student loan money into the university system is directly linked to the surging cost of a college education. As one economist who looked at the numbers put it, remarkably, so much of the subsidy, and he means student loan money, is translated into higher tuition that enrollment doesn't increase. What does happen is that students take out more debt which many of them can't pay. So basically what you have here is a self-licking ice cream cone. Government makes a bunch of money available for people to go to university. Universities jack up tuition. Then everybody justifies the student loan programs because tuition is so high. In fact, we get even more student loan money and then tuition goes up some more and on and on we go. You know, Universities literally compete for this student loan money. That's why dorms today have tempur mattresses and granite countertops. I'm not kidding. That's a thing. So this is yet another example of government fixing something that it broke to begin with. And in the process, it's going to break it even worse. And of course, we are all going to pay for it. So when it's all said and done, what you're going to end up with is more debt, higher taxes, and more inflation. Thank you so much, Uncle Sam, for fixing this problem. Now, here's the thing. We can bitch and complain. I'm really good at bitching and complaining. But there's really nothing that I can do about it. Government is going to government. But what you can do is prepare yourself for the consequences of government actions. And one thing that I recommend doing is talking to a shift gold precious metals specialist and figuring out whether or not gold and silver can help you protect your wealth and can be part of your investment portfolio. So highly recommend doing it. Do it today. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or email them info at shiftgold.com. 
or you can go to the Shift Gold website, go to Getting Started, and you can chat with a precious metal specialist right there online. And uh, I, I say it, I say it every week. These guys are fantastic. They will look at your individual situation. They will listen to you and your goals and help you see if precious metals can fit into your investing strategy. So do that today. And with that, I'm going to call this a gold wrap for the week. And of course, you can get more details on all of the stories here and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. There are links to all of this stuff on the show notes page. You are welcome to email me, mmaharry at shiftgold.com, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shiftgold.com. Love to hear from folks. I hope you have a wonderful and fantastic weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.